Welcome back to Better Friendships, a podcast all about creating, growing, and maintaining friendships that sustain, fulfill, and enrich our lives. We're your hosts, Julie and Katie. And today we're going to do a quick recap of our series of episodes on the history of women's friendships. We want to look at some of what we've learned and at the themes, challenges, and stereotypes that have followed women throughout the ages. And then we want to think about where we go from here and what the future could look like. So where do we start? Let's start in the ancient world, where I think we can trace some of the roots of the stereotype that women can't be good friends to each other and that women can't be trusted. We see these ideas in the story of Pandora, who opens a box she's not supposed to open and releases evil into the world. We also see it in the story of Medusa and Athena, where Athena punishes Medusa for the actions of a man. And, of course, let's not leave out Eve. She became the reason that all women throughout time must be punished. Eve represents the reason that men gave for controlling women. Because a woman was the cause of the original sin. Yeah, those stories don't paint women in a very flattering light, do they? No, they don't. And they're not real. They're myths. They never happened. But we carry them with us, and they've informed and continue to inform how women interact with one another. On that note, I think one of the other things we've seen throughout this series is how men have really controlled the narrative, which is certainly, I think, the case here with these myths and these stories. But we see it throughout history. It was hard for women to be educated for a long time, unless they were nobility, and or if they joined a convent, which was really only a choice, as we've talked about, for noble women. So women couldn't read and write. And women's stories weren't considered important in a world where men controlled the politics and sort of the daily goings-on in the outside world. We do have stories, but they're limited to who could read and write and also who had the time to tell them. And talking about men being in control, many early pagan cultures had goddesses who were independent and autonomous and very powerful in their own right. But over time, patriarchal structures and society have warped and distorted and even perverted many of these goddesses. Rather than strong, independent, feminine forces, they became tales of caution, images of fear, and lessons about how not to be. When I say that, one of the goddesses that I'm referencing is Persephone, um, some scholars believe that Persephone is actually older than Bronze Age culture, which means she didn't originate with the Greeks. She existed before Zeus, before Poseidon. And their argument is she existed before Hades. And she was the goddess of rebirth. And it was her role to be in control of the birth-death cycle. And it wasn't until later with the introduction of the patriarchal, patriarchal um, bronze, bronze Age Greek society that we know today, that they imposed Hades as the god of the underworld 
literally to control Persephone so that there wouldn't be this strong, independent woman. And if you look at Persephone's story, we can see how she was very much bound to this man. Literally in the myth, she is not allowed to leave him for a certain amount of time during the year. She's only given independence for a very short period of the year. And scholars think that that part of the myth with Hades as Persephone's consort was introduced to combat this idea of a goddess, a woman, being in control of such important things like life and death and being completely independent in their own right. They needed that man interjected into the story to add control and to lessen the impact of such a strong independent woman. And women have always faced challenges from not having much external power or control and from the responsibilities of motherhood and running a household. In the U.S., we saw that play out in Prohibition, which was spearheaded largely by women trying to exert a little control over abusive husbands who drank too much. We also saw in the voting rights movement. We talked about the equivalents who were female writers and artists in the 1960s who attended the Radcliffe Institute, which gave them space to work and a stipend to take care of their families. And they couldn't do that work without those resources. Even the way we talk about women's friendships has been filtered through a male lens. And, and that's true in history. And it's also true today. We talked a lot about it in our last episode with the Bechdel test and the concept of the manic pixie dream girl, how women in film and media often aren't portrayed as talking to each other or having interests outside of romance or even having much of a personality outside of how a male protagonist sees them. And also how women can only be one thing. You can be a basic bitch or a cool girl, but you can't be both. And basic bitches and cool girls can't be friends with each other. And you're hitting on something else here. Um, the idea that there's always been a right way and a wrong way to be a woman. We see this in the press coverage of Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton. And we also see it in the idea of the not like other girls girl. We also talked about the Edinburgh Seven who faced a major uphill battle to attend medical school and practice medicine because that wasn't something women should be doing. For a long time and still stay, there are right and wrong ways for women to behave. We talked about the riot girl movement of the early 1990s and how anger isn't perceived as an okay quality for women to have. Just think about how many term, how many times you've heard the term angry feminist. Yes, absolutely. And at the same time that we talked about the Riot Girl movement, we talked about how the Spice Girls were able to pick up the messages of that movement and carry them forward into the more mainstream culture because the Spice Girls were marketable, certainly, but also because they refused to be told no. And I think that's a major positive theme that we've seen. We've talked about a lot of the negatives that we've seen in this series of episodes, but this is a major positive thing. 
women have always been able to find ways to come together and carve out space and talk to each other and make an impact on the world. We've talked about quilting circles where women could come together and talk. We've talked about convents where women were reading and writing, suffrage movements, college programs. Even in wartime, we talked about the night witches who had a major impact on World War II and the Zora Orchestra of Afghanistan, a group of women coming together to play music in the midst of a, a country in, in the middle of a major struggle. Women beat the odds all the time and create change in the world. And they do it despite the stereotypes and myths and limitations that have been placed on them. I think that's a good segue into our major question for this recap, which is, what's next? With everything that we've learned and with the world being more interconnected and women having more opportunities than ever, where do we go from here? And that is the question, isn't it? I think we're seeing a major change in the discourse about women. We haven't talked about this book yet, but just recently published was a book called The Heroine with a Thousand and One Faces by Maria Totter, which looks at how women can have their own hero's journey when they've traditionally only been depicted as the destination of a man's hero's journey. Or as one of the villains or obstacles a hero has to face down. Thinking about that book and the sort of re-examination of women's roles, I think we need to think about what we're consuming in terms of media and entertainment. We talked about reality TV and we talked about shows like Gossip Girl in our last episode and how they don't depict healthy women's friendships. But as long as we're watching them, they're going to keep being made that way because that's what sells and that's what writers and producers think we want to see. We should think about what message that we're sending to the algorithm when we continue to consume products that depict women as toxic. That's such a good point. And on the same note, I think we should really examine what we're saying about how women should interact with each other. We talked about WAP, which I've said is not one of my favorite songs, but it depicts a woman who is empowered to seek what she wants. And what message are we sending to our sisters if we say that women who want sex are slutty and gross? What are we communicating to our daughters when they show when we show them a movie like Mean Girls and when we tell them, like my own mother, who is the sweetest person alive, told me that girls are just mean to each other? And how much of that has an effect on how we talk to ourselves and how we see ourselves? And to bring us full circle, talking about myths and who's been doing the storytelling, how much of that isn't even rooted in reality and isn't rooted in women telling their own stories. Women deserve to tell their own stories. We deserve a world where we can be more than one thing at a time and where we can be friends with each other and celebrate ourselves together. Girls deserve a world where they can learn to be friends without being told they're mean when they mess up. And we have a responsibility to help build that world. Yes, sister. And that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast. Um, so we're winding down our first season after what I know has been a very long hiatus. And I do apologize for that, both 
Katie and I had just a lot of life happening while we were, you know, on that long break. The understatement of the century for these last couple of years. (laughs) Yes. But we do have some good stuff on the horizon. Our next episode is going to be the last one in this first season. And we're going to examine the impact of loneliness and talk about why we definitely need better friendships in our lives. Then in our second season, we're going to dig into how to have better friendships and how to be a better friend, both to others and to ourselves. I can't wait. It's so good to be back. So good to be back. And I think this is going to be a really good and interesting year coming up for us and for this podcast. I'm excited to see what we'll talk about and what we can learn. I love learning. In the meantime, yeah. In the meantime, if you have any questions or stories that you want to share with us, you can always email us at info at betterfriendships.com. That's I-N-F-O at betterfriendships.com. You can also find us on Instagram at better friendship, better underscore friendships and on Facebook at better friendships. We'd love to hear from you. Before I close this out, I do want to end on a quick note. Um, We mentioned the Zora Orchestra in this episode as well as in previous episodes. Um, And I just want to say for anybody who feels inclined, um, please check them out. I know right now, um, as many of you know, if you're following the news, there has been um, some changes in the political landscape of Afghanistan in the last few months. Another understatement. (laughs) Trying to be, trying to, trying to be uh, politically correct. I don't know. I don't know though. Um, but I think that's a group of women who may need some additional support at this time, both emotionally and financially, if you're able. Um, so please, please, if you are so inclined, please check out the Zora Orchestra. And again, if you're inclined, see if there is a way that you can help them during this time that I'm sure is very um, trying and and scary for many of those girls and many of those women. And on that happy note, I will close us out for the podcast. So until next time, there are tall ships and small ships. There are ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are friendships and may they always be.